Daily Aviation Podcast is presented as entertainment, not flight instruction. Though some participants are certified flight instructors, their comments, opinions, and discussions of flying techniques are theirs alone. None of the co-hosts or guests on this podcast are acting as your flight instructor. Please consult your own CFI for guidance on your specific flight training, aeronautical knowledge, and aircraft operation. This is the Stuck Mike Avcast, an aviation podcast about learning to fly, living to fly, and loving to fly. Episode 96, hello, Larry Overstreet, and more coming up in this episode of the Stuck Mike Avcast. Now here are your co-hosts, Victoria Zyko, Sean Moody, Eric Crump, Rick Felty, and Carl Valeri. Welcome, friends, to this episode of the Stuck Mike Avcast, and I am so excited to be here uh, with some fellow podcasters, and uh, we're minus a couple of folks. Uh, Eric Crump uh, couldn't make it, and also Victoria Zyko couldn't make it this evening. Very busy time of the year. But I'm here with uh, Rick Felty. Hi, Rick. Hello. Hello, everyone out there in <laughs> podcast land. <laughs> and uh, also somebody who, who wasn't able to make it to Sun and Fun, uh, but he is here this evening, and that's uh, Sean Moody. Welcome, Sean. Hey everybody! Yeah, I was I was listening to all the uh, all the Sun and Fun radio stuff while you guys were down there, and man, I was jealous. You guys sound like you had a good time. Well, oh, we had a blast. Well, speaking of Sun and Fun and having a really good time, you know, Sean and Rick, we have with us this evening somebody who you know has been a guest on our podcast live twice, and we said, you know what, why don't you come help us out and uh, be a guest co-host this evening? And that is Larry Overstreet. Welcome, Larry. Thanks, guys. Great to be here. <laughs> well, Larry, it, it, you did a great job. Thanks so much for helping us out with uh, with Stuck Mike live from Sun and Fun. But uh, if you've ever listened to Sun and Fun Radio, and that's at snfradio.com, Larry, you'll find you'll listen to what? How many announcements have you done? So many of them. It's it's usually your voice that we hear, is it not? This year, I think I did about 25 of them altogether. <laughs> wow, wow. And it's what's interesting, Larry, is as you know, I did, I did so many hours on the deck there and uh, live, and every time they brought me back in, it was Larry Overstreet's voice. And <laughs> for, for the rest of the show, that's all, when, when Larry started speaking, I knew that I was speaking next. Uh, so that, <laughs> that was just so cool. That was just so much fun. I tell you, I, Larry and I spoke afterwards, and it's hard coming down from that high of doing an air show like that. Uh, you know, my my wife even said that I didn't sleep for days. Uh, but then again, she said that's all I was doing during the day was sleeping. I wouldn't do anything around the house, but that's a different story. <laughs> Let's do the pre-flight. Well, gosh, you, you know, uh, Larry, we have a couple of announcements uh, before we get started here. We're, we're going to get to know Larry the, uh, this evening and on this show, and he uh, has a really fascinating background. The reason we, we want to have him on here is we want to get to know him, and also we we didn't realize this, but he has some really, really unique things he's done in aviation and has a, some really t- interesting ties to some some historic uh, aviators and s- historic uh, manufacturers of aviation. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, but before we get going, um, one announcement, or we have a few announcements, I should say. First of all, we are coming up on episode 100 it's just around the corner. Whoa. Isn't that amazing? Right. 100 yeah, episodes, crazy. and we're still going. And it's so much fun. And I, one of the things I want to do is, remember we did the 50th, you know, 50 mm-hmm. things that we did, et cetera. Well, we want 
want you, the listener, to participate in this this upcoming episode. We want you to come up with your hundredth. Let it be a milestone in aviation, a memorable moment. You know, some significant in aviation, uh, which was the hundredth event in your life in aviation. Say with a you know, take a look at your logbook. What was your hundredth landing? Uh, I actually, I I remember one. I'll. I did 100 landings in one day. That was a memorable moment. Uh, you know, look at your notebooks, your calendars. It could have been uh, the 100th landing at a different airport. Anything like that. Just let us know of a, some significant 100th uh, event in aviation. Uh, it could also be somebody you know that isn't around to discuss it and talk about it. Just So so write us at contact at stuckmikeavcast.com or just go to the contact page and, and send that to us. We'd really appreciate it. I know that that Rick and and Sean and Larry all have have their hundredth they're thinking about right now, and and what's amazing is if you really sit down and think about it, you, you can count a hundred logbook entries. You, you'll probably remember that hundredth entry in your logbook if you go back and and follow what you did that day. Just live through that flight again. It's kind of like what we're doing here with this podcast. Is you know I know one of the things that's been happening lately with people writing in is the fact that you know you don't have the opportunity to go flying, but you get to live through your past aviation through this podcast, and I, that is so awesome, and we really appreciate that. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to relive our past in aviation. So remember to contact us and uh, and write us your one hundredth event. Also, announcements. Um, I didn't actually ask uh, Sean and Rick and Lara. Did you have any announcements also? I don't think we did. No, I'm good. I don't. I don't. All right. Well, the next one actually uh, involves Larry. And uh, we have this year, and this was really Larry's idea. We've kind of been doing this on a a local basis with Sun and Fun Radio. Uh, As you've noticed, I've been doing a lot of local events within Florida. Well, you know what? Larry Overstreet wants to take Sun and Fun Radio worldwide, and he wants to start covering events throughout the United States and, and throughout the world. His idea was to get other podcasters and people that are interested in podcasting to go out and, and cover events for Sun and Fun Radio. And we're going to start putting those out on the inter- internet at uh, snfradio.com, or excuse me, liveatc.net slash snf, and also on a thing called chatsfromthedeck.com, chatsfromthedeck.com. And that's where we take all these recordings from these events and let you relive it. Uh, one, of the, 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 one of the two things that we get the most feedback about from listeners is number one the ability to bring us back into aviation number two is the ability to bring us the listener to these events and i think that's really important and we're going to we're going to co-opt with sun and fun radio and we're going to help them uh actually put that together and larry's going to be a very instrumental part of that so thanks larry i really appreciate that so uh oh, you it's it's going to be it's going to some heavy lifting there uh, we've already run into some issues <laughs> recently with Hal. Hal's our little our computer, like uh, in 2001: A Space Odyssey. It's uh, Hal was having some issues as far as uh, the feed at Sun and Fun Radio. Mm. Um, but anyway, look for that in the future. And uh, let's see other other announcements real quickly. Oh, my AerospaceScholarships.com, the 2015 ebook has arrived. Uh, a lot of folks have been asking about that, where they can m- get money for training, et cetera. You don't have to be uh, somebody that's looking uh, for a profession in aviation. You can actually find scholarships to get your glider rating, et cetera, your multi-engine rating. So check it out, aerospacescholarships.com. It's coming out on Kindle and also on in the iBook store. Uh, we had a little formatting issue, so right now it's only in a PDF format, and it's, uh, it's almost finished in the Amazon uh, store, and it will be in the iBooks. Also, the other announcement is at AirVenture, I think we're going to have a few people from uh, 
from Stuck by Gavcast. I know Larry Overstreet's going to be there, right, Larry? I will be there, you bet. I'm going to try to get there uh, without calling in sick, which I can't do, obviously. But uh, <laughs> now that know. I've announced it, everybody knows I'm going to get fired for that at my day job. Yeah, just, just use a fake name on air. Nobody will know. <laughs> yeah, I think they'll recognize the voice. <laughs> uh, Sean Moody, you were you were talking about possibly trying to make it? Trying Well, try, definitely trying to make Summon Fun next year. Oshkosh might be tough, mm. uh, but we'll see. Stay tuned. <laughs> we'll, we'll try to get in. And, and Rick, Same here. Rick's going to have a tough time. I know that we will have Victoria on the ground there. Yeah. So that'll be awesome. And also her her husband will be there, too. And, uh, right. and, well, I, and I think Eric Crump's going to try to make it, but that's a real tough event for him to make it. I've always wanted to go. I haven't been to Oshkosh. I really want to go. I bet Turbo, Turbo will be there, too. Right? I think Turbo's going to be there. Yeah. yeah. Turbo's going to be... Uh, He's going to be signing... Signing uh, another book. Right. Uh, he's going to be potographing some uh, books. All right. He's going to be some books. So, so make sure you get his potograph. I'm still waiting for mine. She she promised me I'd get a potograph from him. But anyway, so that's all the, the announcements we have for this evening. Uh, I know that's a whole bunch of them, but, uh, but look forward to some really cool events in the future. Now entering cruise flight. Well, without further ado, let's move on to our topics. Um, we were going to do some listener mail, but... Our topic this evening actually is somebody I think is amazing and and I did not realize had such an incredible background in aviation, and that's Larry Overstreet. Uh, we're, it's welcome. This episode is <laughs> hello, Larry Overstreet, and welcome to the podcast. And and boy, you know, Larry, I knew that you were a person that was passionate about flying Piper Cubs, but and, and you know, you flew gliders and you were a tow pilot, but I didn't realize all the other really interesting things in your background so i know that the other folks here have some questions but you know really i i really I, there's a story i want to hear about but uh it, it's in your past and it's it's absolutely fascinating about how you got into aviation so if maybe you could relate that to us i'd, I'd appreciate that sure you bet so when i was just a little tyke um probably i don't know two or three years old or so uh my folks lived in elgin illinois and they owned a three-unit apartment building, a big old Victorian house that had been converted into a three-flat. And, um, you know, they would rent two of the apartments out. We lived in the one. And um, they ended up renting to a variety of different folks over, over time. But uh, one couple in particular uh, that they rented to started uh, building and restoring airplanes upstairs. And uh, he was working uh, a little bit with Steve Whitman and worked on some landing gear and you know, did a whole bunch of really cool things in, in aviation. But um, uh, they ended up uh, having an air compressor as one of their tools, and it was right above my bedroom. And so on more than one occasion, my dad had to go upstairs and say, hey, John, would you, would you knock it off? The, the baby's trying to sleep, you know. And so that's how I met John and Betty Monette, uh, founders of Sonics Aircraft later. And... Um, uh, so I kind of uh, lovingly blame John for a little bit of my my airplane and aviation addiction. <laughs> so really, you met them earlier. You just didn't realize it was them until you grew up a little bit. <laughs> so exactly. how, did, how did that tie into? I mean, you're getting involved with the Sonics. I mean, did did you do you think that that subliminally had some effect on you? Yeah. So if you if you you know go around the EAA museum or or whatever, check it out. John has uh, a number, quite a number uh, uh, of designs to his name. Um, some pretty famous ones. Um, the Monix Racer um, set you know world records with it. And most recently, of course, that uh, you and I, Carl, saw uh, down in Sun and Fun is the Sonics Jet. And um, that was cool. Yeah. So he's you know he he's just a prolific uh, designer and. Um, 
along the way, there were a number of his different aircraft, uh, both gliders and powered aircraft, that I, I thought would be cool to build. And then, you know, at some point, uh, he came out with the Sonics, and that, you know, the time seemed right for, for me and the family. So I'm uh, currently building a Sonics in our basement. And, um, uh, you know, just a little verb tense thing there. I, I think uh, on one of the earlier podcasts at Sun and Fun, I mentioned that building implies action uh, and that at this moment I have built and I will build in the future, but I, you know, just life and work and family and everything, I'm kind of on a little bit of a pause. But uh, getting back here now, uh, my, my younger son uh, started bugging me. He's a freshman in college about how much progress we were going to have to make on the Sonics this summer. So I think my verb can go back to building um, and, and try to be a little bit more active with it. So you're doing this in your basement? I am. And so, yes, I can get it out. How do you <laughs> get it out of your basement with the wings attached? Big windows and don't attach the wings. Aha. <laughs> and a lot of measuring. Yeah, you, you've heard measure twice, cut once. You know, yes. this, is, this is measure a whole bunch of times and try not to cut anything in the wrong way. So if That's you can't, cool. <laughs> that is cool. If you can't get it out of your basement, you have a really cool model, though. You do, yeah. You know, <laughs> great man cave stuff. Yeah. <laughs> So th this but it's even better if you can go fly it. This design's kind of unique. It's, it's very, it's a, um, how shall I say, a, a Spartan design, say, is a good way to describe it. it yeah. It's a, a very simple. Um, it, it follows, yeah, it follows their philosophy, which is, um, you know, John would talk about, always talks about the most fun for the dollar. And, um, you know, so he's, he's designing aircraft that are designed to go out and have fun with. Um, economical, so that you can afford to go fly it, easy to build. So if you look at the designs, um, from the side, it looks a lot like the cross-section of a Whitman Tailwind. Um, you know, it's a little boxy and, uh, and so forth, but the whole side of the airplane, if you look at it from the profile, looks like a wing. It looks like an airfoil. And um, uh, he, he quotes uh, uh, Steve Whitman uh, as, as talking about the Tailwind, as saying, you know, it's ugly, but it sure goes fast. <laughs> and, and there's a little bit of that design philosophy in the Sonics where um, you know, it doesn't have the curvy lines of a composite aircraft or whatever. But part of the reason for that is so that it's easy for a first-time builder to be successful and build. Um, you don't have to learn you know, crazy skills to be able to, to dive in and, and actually feel like you're making progress and do a good job. Well, and you said easy. I mean, you're, you're looking at a, a couple guys here. I don't think any of us have ever really built an airplane. Um, I mean, how like easy? Describe like, like how much time it would take someone like myself, or you know, Rick and Sean. You you haven't built any airplanes, have you? Uh, no, no. I was just think. No, of course not. No, <laughs> I've never built anything that took any handyman skill whatsoever. Let me, but I, that's a question of sort of what what skills going in do they suggest you have in your you know, back pocket. Well, you know what? Yeah. Well, I assume that going in, they say you're going to have to do the following things. Be prepared for this. You know, what are those things? Right. So, you know, being able to measure, being able to um, uh, use basic hand tools for metal working. So, you know, to uh, to bend a piece of metal or, uh -huh. or whatever. Um, drill press, real handy. Um, riveting, that kind uh -huh. of thing. None of these are. High tech skills. I'm, I teach right. my kids how to do it. So um, anybody who has the desire to do the building is going right. to be capable of doing it. So and aluminum's pretty cheap. So if yeah. you mess up a part, you make another part. And they, do they do you do they send you parts? I mean, do parts exist, or do you make some of them, or do you make all of them out of larger pieces of? 
you yeah. really have a choice. Uh, in uh -huh. the Sonics line, uh, there are a number of aircraft. Uh, one of them is called the Sonics. Another one is the YX. There's a Xenos motor glider and there are some others. Um, the uh, Sonics, you can buy just a set of plans. And you can build the entire aircraft from scratch. And a yeah. number of builders have done that. They also have now the fast build kits for all of the airplanes where they come you know, right up to the 51% rule, uh, which if you're not familiar with, with home building, the FAA says to be qualified as an experimental aircraft, the builder, i.e. me, you, whoever, uh -huh. uh, has to be uh, responsible for 51% of the work to put the thing together. Uh -huh. And they have a way to figure that out um, you know, that satisfies them. Um, but that means uh, you know all the all the parts are match drilled. Um, all of the um, the little fittings and so forth. Most of those come done already. Whereas a lot of right. them, you know, you can also take a piece of angle uh, aluminum and measure it and cut it out and, and make the part yourself if you want to. And I've done quite a few of those. Hmm. Um, but I'm I'm realizing that it's you know building. You, you build an airplane if you want to build an airplane. Right. You go out and fly an airplane or buy an airplane if you want to fly. And, you know, I think a mistake that I made at the beginning was I started building with the idea of I'm going to be able to fly that airplane someday. And that's all well and good, except I quit flying in the meantime. You know? right. And so you have to keep flying while you're building because building is building, flying is flying. Right. Don't confuse the two. Right. And so I assume there's an equation on the cost based on how much sort of sweat equity you Put, you plan to put in it yourself. So it's more expensive if they do more of the work, probably. But Exactly. And then the other part question is, can you switch? Can you start off one way and say, oh, man, I, I need you to... I mean, I, I, my, my guess is the answer is it's a complicated answer. There might be some scenarios where if you buy... Can, yeah, you can tell me. Can you buy yeah. in a little bit and then buy more? You know, that kind of thing. Yeah, you, you sure can. Yeah. Uh, you can go to their website and see a lot of the details. Details, but uh, right. they offer, you know, on the sign itself, uh, like I said, you can just start buying the plans and you can oh. individually buy, buy specific parts if you want to. Um, you know, some, maybe some of them that are a little bit harder to fabricate at home without, you know, bigger equipment right. or whatever. Um, and that's how we started out because it's the cheapest way to start out. But then, you know, depending right. on the value that you put on your time and the personal satisfaction that you want right. to get out of the building process, right. you can go all the way to the quick build process, uh, uh, product. Um, and so, for example, I got the wing kit, which is, you know, left and right wings and all the pieces and parts and so forth for them. Now there's a fast build wing pit kit. Huh. Um, there's also a fast build fuselage kit. And I fully intend to get that um, yeah. because I'm just to a point where I'm valuing the time more than I'm valuing, you know, the few extra dollars it is to, yeah. to upgrade the kit. Yeah, makes sense. Cool. Would you do it again, Larry? Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I would probably. Probably try to do it uh, a little bit more aggressively, you know, to try to get it done faster. Uh, um, there's there's been a lot of you know months where it just sits down there in the basement, you know, calling my name, but but I'm not down there to work on it. So and the airplane fairies don't come by at night and work on it for me. So <laughs> so to give us a little color on this, how how long has it been uh, since you started this project? Um, let's see. This is this is the part where I have to be honest, right? Uh, <laughs> I believe it's been about seven years. And when people ask how much longer it's going to take, I, I tell them uh, two years, and I've been saying that for six years. Oh. So you can you can do the math yourself. There's probably you know another couple years worth of you know part time nights and weekends kind of work, uh, but I have to get down there and actually the nights and weekends kind of work. Right, right. So it, gosh, it's interesting. I, I'm sure this is not unique. I mean, there's so many other people that were in the same boat as you. Like they stopped, they started. 
Um, and and is, Rick asked a really good question about skills. Is there anybody you can reach out to to help you out? Yeah. Um, Sonics has a really good builder's workshop. It's two days. They run it three times a year. And you can go in and, and effectively the, the cost of it is rolled in towards the cost of the purchase of your of your aircraft. So if you if you end up buying the kit uh, to build the airplane, it, they back out the cost of the of the workshop. So it ends up being free. Um, and they do that, you know, they, they say as much for selfish reasons as anything because it's basic information that everybody's going to need. And if they can roll that out to you at once, it, you know, all at once, it's, it saves them a bunch of uh, phone support time, you know, for people calling in with questions. And it helps the builders to get off to a better start. So uh, in that place, uh, in that uh, case, uh, you go to their facility right there on the field at Oshkosh, Wisconsin, and uh, you build a small project that represents the leading edge of the wings. So you're building kind of two ribs, um, something that represents the spars. Uh, you cover it. You do all the riveting. You do all the metal work. You know, make some brackets in the, in the process. And you really get a sense of what it's going to be like. They spend a good amount of time talking about how to read the plans, um, you know, where common uh, questions come up. Uh, they, they walk you through common processes, um, how to keep safe and, and how to build uh, a lot of the parts. And so that's one place. Another one that's really good uh, is that EAA has a lot of uh, builder workshop uh, events across the country. Um, and some of those have to do with uh, building airplanes. Um, some of them are you know, composite or, or fabric and, and uh, tube or, or welding or whatever, but uh, there are a lot of those kinds of events that are held around the country. And then there are a lot of videos online at the EAA website as well that take, um, I think they called it uh, something like Builder's Corner or something like that, where um, they'll take one specific topic and do a, a how-to video on that. Um, and those are, are super helpful as well. And then, of course, your local EAA chapter, where um, if you uh, join you know, one of those around the country, um, you may find other people who are building the same make and model of your plane you are, or at least the same construction techniques that you're using. So if somebody's building, you know, a Vans RV and somebody else is building a Sonics, a whole lot of the skills are going to be the same. You know, that the local chapters are really cool. I actually, I got involved with one once and it actually got me to the point of thinking, hey, maybe I can do this. You know, there's mm-hmm. certain skills that actually can transfer to other things. Like I'm pretty good with plumbing, but not good with electricity. And, uh, you know, there's other people that'll help you through this. You know, they'll they'll teach you about everything from composites to, to actually cabinetry. <laughs> you know, I always call it cabinetry when you're working with wood uh, yep. to riveting, et cetera, which is pretty awesome. And they just and how did you find out about your local chapter just by joining EAA? Yeah, you, you can you can go on the EAA website and find you know a chapter directory and look for chapters that are close to you. Uh, in my case, I happen to know you know just through through the grapevine, if you will, um, a number of the chapters around the area. Um, and uh, you know you'll you'll hear if you go up to EAA and and talk around uh, you know around the campfire at night, you'll find out where other people are at. And uh, there's always there's always a way to to figure that out. Cool. I wonder if that Sonics Jet is is a home built too. Is that a home built? Um, it can be. Um, you can buy that in two different forms. Uh, there's a kit that qualifies to under the fifty one percent rule. So if you go on the the Sonics website and look at it, it's got a lot of work already done. It's right up against the edge of the fifty one percent. But you can build it, uh, buy it, and build it um, uh, as an experimental aircraft. 
uh, and then fly it under that set of rules. The other way you can build it, uh, they actually do even more of the work that gets you that much closer to being done with it. Um, and I believe that's under the um, exhibition uh, rules. So if your purpose in buying it is to fly it at air shows, for example, um, then there's a set of rules that you can fall under instead of experimental that allows uh, the manufacturer, Sonics in this case, to do even more of the work. So do they have certified aircraft? Uh, they do not. Uh, no, everything they, so. they build is uh, you know, either experimental or, in the case of the jet, can be for, uh, for exhibition. Interesting. You know, before we get into your background, you mentioned the name Steve Whitman uh, and the Whitman Tailwind. Yeah. Is that name associated with something else also? Uh, it is. Uh, Whitman Field, which is the name of the airport up at Oshkosh, is in his honor. And uh, Steve Whitman, um, you know, he was a, a contemporary of Paul Poberezny. Um, Paul started the, uh, the organization in the Milwaukee area where I live and, uh, you know, quickly outgrew the local airports and they moved to Rockford for a few other air shows, I think in the uh, early, late 60s, early 70s, somewhere in that time frame generally. And um, uh, they kind of outgrew that space too. And, and Steve called and invited him to you know, maybe consider coming up to Oshkosh to do the uh, shows the next year. And they did and, and been up here ever since. Um, and so Steve, uh, you know, was associated with that airport from the very beginning, but also has uh, quite a few racer-type aircraft uh, to his name. Um, and if you go through the museum, um, you, c you can see, you know, all kinds of designs that, that he created. Most of them, though, for fun and going fast. And the museum's on the field, I assume? It is, Yeah. yeah. That's cool. You know, it's uh, gosh, I've never been there. Oshkosh is huge, isn't it? Can you compare it to, to Sun and Fun, like size-wise, how much bigger it is? I feel like I can go to Sun and Fun if I wasn't, say, taking my time up at the radio station. If I just went, uh, my, my wife and I, and we just walked through it, I feel like we could pretty well do the show, the things that we wanted to see in about two days. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and that would be the vendors I want to see and walk around the airplanes, see the home built, see the antiques, you know, uh, vintage, uh, all the places that I want to see and sort of walk up and down. Um, Oshkosh, you can't do in several years. Huh. Um, in other words, you could take the whole week and only get a portion of it. Um, it's just massive by comparison. Wow. Very different vibe, very different feel. I love them both, but they are different shows. Right, right. Gosh, I can't wait to see that. But uh, anyway, your, your Sonics project looks it sounds like awesome. Sounds like really really cool. But I, I think the thing that you mentioned is really important to re-mention is the fact that if you want to build, make sure you keep flying. Because I've heard that from quite a few people. Uh, they started building thinking they're going to fly, and it's a couple of years later, and they they're not flying anymore. And uh, that that happens with a lot of things in life. You know, kids. You know, jobs, etc. But uh, when you start building an airplane, it takes a that's a big sucking sound of your time. That's for sure. Well, it's your, it's your time and your money both, you know, and so um, you, you want to think about, you know, what is your own motivation for building, and if it's anything other than I want the experience of building, don't do it, <laughs> you know, don't do it because you think you're going to be able to fly cheaper, um, because you will, but it'll be years before you're there, you know, right. and in the meantime, your money will be going into your, uh, you know, into your uh, airplane instead of into your experience, into your logbook, Um but uh, if the answer that you have to that question is because I genuinely want the experience of building my own airplane that, you know, that I built with my hands, um, it's, it's a really rewarding uh, kind of activity so far, <laughs> you know, for me. Right. And, and it's just, it's yours. I mean, it's say, hey, I, 
I was a part of this whole thing. I think that's pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. And my day job is in IT. So, you know, we're working with, you know, bits and bytes and we don't get a physical, you know, sensation of I built that, you know, in the same way uh, that you do as if you actually build, you know, an assembly or, you know, something like that or an aileron or whatever. Um, It's just a really rewarding feeling if you enjoy doing that. But but a lot of those like in IT for those IT people listening because there's a lot of folks in IT they're into this it, it's it's somewhat similar when you're building a system you have to plan out all the different parts and put it together and at the end it comes together it's just not a it's not physical it's it's a you know a program as opposed to this this actual physical airplane so I think some of those skills tie in I think of the planning et cetera oh yeah you bet you yeah bet. well you know Larry this is this is such a neat project this Sonics but there's there's so much more about how you got here here we are talking about you building a Sonics but you and and you said you took a hiatus from from flying how long was that hiatus about that was years? about 15 years oh wow yeah wow. so um I had uh, moved to Arkansas, and you you know where I moved to because uh, we have a common uh, DPE that we both I think um, uh, had a couple check rides with, um, mm-hmm. but um, uh, it, it was it was uh, a great point in my life to learn how to fly because we had the opportunity to um, move on to the municipal airport there in Salem Springs, Arkansas, uh, and live in a mobile home for free in exchange for being willing to live at the airport in a mobile home. Um, cool. This is before someone came up with the cool idea of attaching a credit card reader to a fuel pump. And so if you came in after hours and needed fuel, you needed a person. And so uh, while I still had my day job back then, um, my, my wife and I just took on the task of, you know, we would take care of anybody who might come in at night. And, uh, and for that, we got the ability to live there for free and we were you know young newly married and that didn't have a lot of money so not having to pay rent meant i could afford to fly um and i joined a a, a group of guys there who owned a few airplanes over time a couple of cessnas and uh uh, a blanca super viking that was fun um and you know got my instrument rating and all that back then and i'm so thankful i did because i don't know you know just with life the way it is uh you know busy wise and and responsibilities and all that I don't know if I would be able to carve out the time to do that today um but I'm really thankful for the time that that I had back then Balanca Supervite gosh you need to be a cabinet maker to fix that one you do wooden wings uh that <laughs> that's a, a 200 wow. mile an hour um tube and fabric covered airplane with uh, mahogany wooden wings and um it's just it flies like a dream it really huh. does. 300 horsepower engine and four seats. And, um, and so with that, uh, Holy cow. <laughs> we had um, my wife and I were sitting in the front seat. This is, this is just before the hiatus. My wife and I were sitting in the front seat. Kid number one and number two were in the back seat. Kid number three was in my wife's arms. The dog was in the floor in the back seat. And then the place was filled with baby paraphernalia. You know, and and we looked at each other flying from Arkansas up to visit our family in the Chicago area. And, and um, we both just kind of said, you know, this just isn't as much fun as it used to be <laughs> and uh, because it was just so packed. And so um, shortly after after kid number three arrived, we, we kind of, you know, temporarily hung up the hung up the wings for a while. And uh, I didn't realize it was going to turn into 15 years. And that is one of the few regrets in my life that I let that much time go without finding a way to stay flying. And there's many ways to do that. You know, you said, you know, flying clubs, et cetera. Hanging around with people, hanging around the airport. Someone will take you flying. You yep, know, that's you bet. Another way to do that. Like I, 
you know, going going back to that that hiatus, you you actually are a very. I didn't realize it was that long. You're a pretty experienced pilot. You've flown a lot of different things. You you started off. Uh, I think you had mentioned to me you were flying. Was it gliders? Is that right? Yeah. So I started off flying. Um, you know, after after blaming. Uh, for my love of flying. Um, actually, getting in the air was my mom's fault. Um, she's super lady. Um, but she used to listen, for any of you who are in the Midwest, she used to listen to WGN radio all the time, day and night. It was just always on. And um, uh, she had a couple of her favorite announcers, you know, during wait, the Wait, wait, wait. Who's the morning? It's the morning guy, Bob. Bob Collins. Is yeah, that Bob Collins. Talk? Yeah, because uh, yeah. he was a pilot. He was. And, and yeah. he... He actually rode uh, on a couple of occasions, flew over to England and then rode the um, uh, SST, you know, the Concorde yeah. back uh, as it was coming in to, to land at, at Oshkosh a couple times uh, wow. during the convention. So, yeah, he was, you know, he was a pilot and um, uh, would get into aviation things occasionally on the air. But one of the things he mentioned one day was that um, you could get uh, glider rides, you know, like an introductory ride. Uh, um, at Hinkley, Illinois, which was about, you know, I don't know, 20 minutes west of Aurora, Illinois, and maybe an hour, hour and 15 minutes from our house. And so um, for my birthday, when I turned 13, um, mom and dad gave me a glider ride. And then uh, from that point forward, I started mowing lawns and babysitting and shoveling snow and whatever I could do to earn a few dollars and scrimp that up and save that for flying money and then uh, started uh, uh, flying gliders that next summer. I was still 13, turned 14 in the fall and soloed that fall. Um, uh, and then I ended up getting my license when I was 17. You can get a license when you're 16 for gliders, private. And so um, that's what I started flying. And um, it, it just a little quick aside there, um, when you fly gliders, one of the things you do is you fly very near the stall speed because that's sort of your minimum sink speed um, in maybe a 45 to 60 degree bank. And so you're sort of right at the edge of a spin for half your life, you know. And um, so they teach spins. They teach stalls, you know, and, and recovery from them. And so it never occurred to me that you were supposed to be afraid of them. So I, I still kind of get a kick out of people who get, you know, a little bit of um, – uh, anxiety over you know stalls or spins or whatever they're really fun. Get an instructor and go out and try them, people. You'll you'll have a blast. Um, anyway, uh, so we um, you know kind of kind of went through that uh, period of, of flying gliders, which is really cool when you're in ninth grade and you know people ask you <laughs> know awesome. what, what what do you do and it's like well I go out and you know do you play baseball no I go fly you know nobody believes you. Um, but you can still do that. So, kids, if you're 14, you can go. You can go solo a glider. Um, and you need a medical for that? No, you do not. In fact, one of the really cool things about gliders is that, unlike sport license, uh, sport pilot license, even if you've had your medical denied, you can still go fly gliders. So, there's still a flying opportunity out there for people who may have uh, lost their medicals and can't regain them. Uh, I think balloons the same way if I'm not mistaken but but for sure with gliders you can go out even if you've lost your medical and fly gliders including motor gliders um, so there's some neat aircraft out there that are that are within reach um, even if you've lost your medical um, grew up a little bit farther went off to college ran out of time and money for flying and uh, uh, you know got married after graduating uh, 87 moved to Arkansas in 88. And uh, my awesome wife uh, looked at me one day and she said, you know, you should really start flying again. You really love that. 
And uh, so I did, went out, soloed a tomahawk um, uh, after, you know, some, a couple months or whatever of instruction. And um, then uh, uh, went on, got my private rating, uh, got my instrument rating. And then uh, uh, somewhere out in there is when we had, we ended up with three kids and uh, kind of didn't have as much room in the airplane anymore. So it didn't have its utility for flying home to visit family anymore. And um, uh, so I kind of lightened up on that a bit and moved to Colorado Springs for a job, did not fly out there at all, and then moved to the Milwaukee area where I kind of picked it back up again. So in going back to that with, with the, uh, the, the size, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, just just because this isn't going to lead anywhere, except I can't believe this some of this overlap here. So I, I worked in Chicago for Tribune. I didn't work for GN Radio, but I worked for GN TV. And I flew gliders at Hinkley. Oh, you're kidding. You're kidding. No, but I didn't. Yeah, but it was my so that was my first experience, and I did it. Uh, one, I just sort of said, "I'm going to go do this" because I I had had some reasons why my life was challenged with for time, mostly time, and, and then it opened up a little bit, and I went, you know what? I here's I'm going to do this. And my dad had taken me for glider flights when I was a kid, and he was into it, and uh, so I said, "Oh, I'm going to go do this," and I did a bunch there, um, and and then I. You know, then I didn't get any further with it until I could start up again to really do it. So, so I know right where that is. I mean, you know, that's very cool. Awesome. Yeah. About what time were you there? Well, that would have been in the mid '90s. Okay, very good. Interesting. Because um, I moved to GN in '90, I think, and uh, it was probably or '91 or somewhere in there, and so it might have been '93 or '4 somewhere in there. Okay, you didn't know Al Freedy, did you? Uh, you know, the name rings a may have, it sort of rings a bell, but no, not that okay. I could say. Oh yeah, Al. Okay. Okay. He he was a, a designated examiner as well as an instructor uh, out there, uh, kind of back in the you know uh, I was, early eighties. I hadn't. Yeah, it was just very funny because I didn't. I there, I wasn't there enough that I really felt like I connected with anybody in particular. I just I, I flew with a bunch of different people and you know ha, ha, got a pretty good sense of 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 what it's like to you know be towed up and and the whole thing you know. But it was all just training and I never I never went anywhere with it. But I did it a bunch and that was. That was right there. Very cool. And that is a well-known place in that area to go do that. It's beautiful. Yeah, it is. We probably have some of the same airplanes in our logbook. We, <laughs> we might. That's pretty funny. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Rick, you, uh, what were you flying? The 233, Rick? Do you remember? No, I don't remember at all. Yeah. I'll have to check. Awesome. That, that's so cool. And you liked it, I'm assuming. Yeah, I did. I Actually, you know, what I always tell people, for me, the, it, the being towed up and, and the things you've got to do on your end – you know, in terms of line tautness and where you are in relation to the tow plane, was the most challenging part. After that, it was, um, it was just, uh, for me just fun, but but I, that was really hard to get for somehow. You know, I mean, I would, you know, you get you get slack in there, and then and then then the slack goes away. And I mean, it's just it was it was the more more intimidating part for me. I don't know if that's true for other people, but. Uh, One of yeah. the things I've done um, in the in the recent uh, couple of years is uh, become a tow pilot for our glider club up here in Wisconsin. Oh, cool! And so I'm uh, sometimes on the other end, the receiving end of that uh, tow Boom. line slack and everything. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, we we do. Um, uh, they're not young eagle flights, but but we do uh, take you know groups of scouts or whatever up for uh, flights from time to time. Uh, as a as a club, and uh, when I'm when I'm towing them, I can tell who the instructor is because one of them will let the the kid fly the airplane on tow, yeah. and the other one won't. And so you know I, I can look back there, and they're you know they're just all over the place, and uh, you know slack lines everywhere, and you know I just kind of keep flying. But um, yeah. but it really is fun. Towing is really fun. Oh, cool. 
Yeah, that that whole glider towing thing. I, I remember uh, when I started my lessons doing gliding, and uh, I remember the tow pilot, you know, after I got on the ground, he, he looks at me and says, you know, that was some pretty interesting-looking rope back there, my friend, uh, <laughs> meaning that I didn't do a very good job <laughs> trying to keep the rope straighter, boxing the wake, et cetera. Um, but you know what's interesting about gliding, and I'm sure Rick, you can attest to this too, is uh, I listened to an interview uh, by, uh, what's his name, Landed on the Moon, first man, uh, John Glenn. And uh, he was saying that out of everything he's ever done. Wait, not John Glenn. Not John Glenn. Or not Landed on the Moon, one of the two. No, the first like, man to land Arms- on the moon. Armstrong. Neil Armstrong. John Glenn, there you thank go. you. Neil Armstrong. Sorry, Neil Armstrong. He actually, um, and get our history straight here. He um, he actually said in an interview, he said gliding was the closest he ever came to, to flying like a bird. And he's flown all sorts of different things. And uh, it was pretty fascinating that, that he did that. He says, like, wow, you know, how, how many people, you know, get to say that, you know, they're an astronaut and, uh, and towards the end of their life. And you see that with a lot of pilots. Towards the end of their lives, they're, they're usually up there gliding or soaring, as they call it, because you're, you're just, you're there and it's you keeping yourself up, you know, the wind. And, and you're, you're descending at all times, but you're getting lift. And uh, there's lift everywhere, even in Florida. Florida's a good place to, to fly mm-hmm. gliders, et cetera. I think that's that's incredible. I, I just I can't wait to get back into it again. There's a big big glider port that's near us, and I'd like to get back up in there and, and start doing it again. Um, but that's uh, the Schweitzer is what you were talking about, the two thirty three, and uh, I think that was the one that Larry you had soloed in. That's been around for right. a long time. That's like a truck. I mean, it's yeah. it's hard to to smash that up, and uh, it's a good good aircraft to to get out there and do training, and that's for sure. Uh, but there's um. If people are interested, by the way, in the whole soaring, there is the Soaring Society of America. We'll we'll put a link out in the in the yeah. show notes for that. That's a I, really good organization. Really nice folks. Yeah, it it is. I, th- I think that's uh, SSA.org. SSA.org. Um, yeah. Yeah, and they, uh, they, you know, they're on the social media uh, uh, locations as well. But um, good organization. Great magazine comes out every month. Um, well, well worth the uh, price of admission if you're going to hang around uh, soaring. <laughs> That's for sure. So you went from from that to to gliders to flying the the Piper Pawnee mount. Now you didn't just take that leap. You you said you you got into the tomahawks and et cetera. But you you fly a lot of different things. I mean you're into Piper Cubs and and all sorts of different stuff. Are you are you still involved in the club? You were at one time. I am. Yeah. This is a different club than than the one I was referring to before. That one was in Arkansas, and this one is in um, Madison, Wisconsin, uh, Capital City Flyers, a great club. So if you're in the area and you're looking for a flying club, you know, look us up. Um, but uh, we have, as part of the club, 30 people, 30 members, and three aircraft. All of them are IFR um, traveling airplanes. So we have a DA-40 with a Garmin panel and uh, um, uh, an Archer and a Cessna 182RG. Uh, um, and all of them are, you know, nice IFR-equipped airplanes. Um, so that's that's where I'm, you know, flying if I want to take an airplane and actually go somewhere. Uh, but for fun, uh, in addition to the gliders, uh, you, you kind of hit hit the nail on the head there before with the Piper Cub. Um, there's just nothing like getting out and flying a Piper Cub that I know of. Um, and I started doing that because the Sonics that we're building is a tail dragger, and I needed a tailwheel endorsement. And so someone told me to go to Hartford, Wisconsin, which is just south of Oshkosh, pretty much straight south. Um, and there's a, a school there called Cub Air Flight that you can uh, uh, go get your tailwheel endorsement at. And they do it in original J3 Piper Cubs. 
uh, you know, built in the late 30s or early 40s. And um, uh, great friendly airport. You know, they do the brat fly-ins and uh, cook burgers on the weekend and that kind of thing. Um, uh, and it, so that's where I got my tailwheel endorsement. And, and I, I didn't realize how special a place it was until I started talking to people about it because it's one of the, you know, not that many places around the country where you can uh, get a, a checkout in, you know, something like a Piper Cub and then they'll let you go rent it, oh, you wow. know, and you can take it on your own and go fly. Um, a lot of places that do endorsements don't actually let you rent the aircraft then afterwards from what I've been told. And um, uh, so it's just a, a nice, you know, friendly group of people, a fun airport very, very GA friendly. Uh, it's one of the airports that, you know, is small enough that it doesn't have a fence around it. It's got a nice grass strip uh, as well as pavement. And, uh, you know, you never know what you're going to see around there. Just all kinds of uh, antique aircraft, all kinds of uh, vintage aircraft, um, you know, and uh, uh, just a, a friendly place. Very, very nice. And, and if you're, I'll just put in a plug for them real quick. If, if you're on the way to Oshkosh or on the way home and you your travels are going to take you south of Oshkosh. Uh, good fuel prices there, and uh, also, you know, I've I've heard of people planning a few extra days there before or after their time at, at, up at the fly-in to um, stop by and get a tailwheel endorsement. That's a great idea. Yeah, fun a fun thing to add. How to long your, does it take? Add to your ticket. Uh, you know, it it really depends on on your experience in flying. I know a lot of people seem to do it in around. Seven, you know, six, seven, eight hours uh, of instruction time. Some people do it in, in significantly less, uh, and other people take a little bit more. Um, I think, like a lot of things in aviation, the people who take longer uh, are not maybe able to put in uh, consistent time frequently enough. Um, you know, if you were going to go for a couple of days and try to just knock it out where you're flying, you know, two or three or four hours a day, you're, you're going to get it done. Um, and, you know, the big thing there is just you're learning how to use rudder pedals. Because yeah. a lot of Cessna drivers don't know how to do that, um, and and I've been one of them before, so I'm not pointing any fingers. Um, but uh, great little place to stop by, you know, friendly airport, um, and uh, uh, w w well worth the stop if you know if you're going to make that last fuel stop before you head on into Oshkosh. We'll, we'll put a link that's for sure in the show notes for that. The name was Hartford Airport. What's it? Yeah, the the airport is Hartford Airport. It's a municipal airport, and it's. Uh, uh, KHXF, uh, okay. Hotel X-Ray Fox. And, um, and uh, the school, that yeah, the school is Cub Air Flight. Cub Air Flight. Okay, cool. We'll have a link to that. Cub Air Flight. That's awesome. That's really cool. You know, one of the things I notice is people, they leave aviation for a while. I know that, that Sean and Rick both have certain challenges right now trying to get back into flying on a more consistent basis. But sometimes it takes something uh, like getting your tailwheel endorsement to kind of light that fire. I've seen people that haven't flown in a long time and say, hey, you don't want to get my tailwheel endorsement, but I haven't actually flown in an airplane in a while. And I actually talked to an instructor who told me, he said, that's good, <laughs> you know, because maybe they won't remember those bad habits of not using the rudder. <laughs> I was like, really? He said, he didn't care how long you've been gone from it. He's, you know, we're kind of like starting over here. We're learning how to use the rudders again, so... So definitely, you know, Sean and Rick, if you want to get out there and, and start flying some more, I think that that might be an idea, is jumping into something like yeah. that. And, yeah, there's a there's a go find some aerobatic. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I know uh, Rick, you had yeah, a there's friend. a guy on the vineyard uh, who who that's what he does at uh, at Katama. He teaches uh, uh, tailwheel and it, and it's it and it's on the vineyard uh, right. You know, it, it's a grass strip uh, overlooking the uh, Atlantic basically. I mean, that's what you fly out over. 
cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's a pretty cool Very place. Nice. And he and he's really I, he's taken me up enough that I know. You know, so I've done some stuff. You know, I've been bouncing the t- bouncing the rudder pedals. You know, uh, with the with the stick firmly firmly planted in my gut. Uh, you know, tr- heading out and 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 on landing too. And I get the challenge. It's it's fascinating. But the other thing that's great is, is he's one of those guys, and you probably have had this too, who just feels very comfortable in the plane he knows well. And it's like we're just walking up there. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. we're, you know, it, it's just, and he's just making it do things that are just magical. And you go, okay, there's something to this. So yeah, he, that's where I would start. And I think that's a good idea. You're right. Uh, that would be, that would be a blast. Rick, you, you have some videos. Is this the same guy? Yeah. Oh, cool. Maybe we can get a link to those. That was, that was neat. I think it was a bird dog. Were you in? It's a bird. Yeah, it's a bird. Do- he, he has a bird dog, but he also has a, uh, you're going to, uh, I'll, I'll get the other. I'll think. Yeah. I'll think of the other one that, that actually my um, stepdaughter, um, uh, you know, she didn't get her license in it, but she she trained a lot on the vineyard in the summers in in, in a tailwheel. So she's better than I am at flying for sure. Um, but yeah, uh, we'll, I'll send you the links. Cool. He, cool. Yeah, he's <laughs> yeah he's one of those guys that goes, come on, let's go go to a pancake breakfast. You know, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure Larry does this too. You just bounce over to an airport that happens to be serving That's pancakes, awesome. you know, in a, and low and slow and you're not necessarily talking to anybody, right? You're just smelling the grass. Mm. Yep. <laughs> Very well, cool. And just listening to the, you can listen outside, you know, just kind of hear the the air noise go by i think that's kind of yeah. cool too just and the smells etc that's awesome um but you know it's interesting you talk about the rudder I, I was actually just flew a steerman at sun and fun and it's it was the first time in a tailwind a long time and uh, again had to think a little bit about the the rudder uh it was funny on takeoff and landing it was a little more of a challenge i was doing a couple wingovers, and it was pretty easy there because i i was concentrating on my my rudder skills but uh, the takeoff and landing are, are definitely a, a bit of a thing you have to think about, especially when you're not using the rudders quite as much. You know, my work airplane, I mean, the, you know, I hardly ever use the rudders, you know, at all. You know, you put your feet on the ground, actually, for most of the flight. So different, totally different ball game, that's for sure. But uh, anyway, the, um, you know, getting back to, to your flying, Larry, uh, that the club thing, I, I want to touch on that. And I think this is important for people that have been out of it for a while is sometimes it's best to get involved with a club if you haven't flown a lot even if you aren't current is and the reason i'm saying that is i don't know what your experience is larry but with our club we used to take people with us like i I didn't like i don't like flying by myself in general i like to take someone along and and experience it with them and they they would do that all all the time and you were able to learn vicariously through those other people even though you're not spending any money you know, club members will say, "Hey, come on along for a ride," and yeah. sometimes they'll let you fly. It, 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 that's very, very true. We also in our club we have what we call a social membership, and it's it, it's almost free. I think it's like five bucks a month. And really? yeah, and in that case, it's not for somebody who's going to come and rent an airplane, but it's it's exactly for that person who maybe you know we have a, a couple of people who have lost a medical or or whatever, and they're not really flying actively anymore, but they enjoyed the social part of it, and. Um, you know, may want to be on that list of people to, you know, to go for a hundred dollar hamburger at some point or, or whatever. So, um, you know, that's something that we just started doing within the last year or so. I've never heard of that. That's such a great idea. A social membership in a flying club for the, you know, especially you're just saying, I mean, that, that's, that is too awesome. That's, uh, that's groundbreaking for me. I'm, I'm going to start going to all the different clubs and say, Hey, do you have a social membership? I think you should do this. Talk to Larry Overstreet about how to set it up. Um, you know, a lot of clubs do that. You know, private clubs do social memberships, and why not a flying mm-hmm. club? 
um, boy, I'm about to become a huge advocate of social memberships. Um, but uh, this big light bulb just came out of my mind, as you can see here. <laughs> well, and it's it's fun for everybody, you know. And the pilots that are there, you know, with a you know, I, lack of a better word, maybe a full membership who can rent the airplanes. Same thing that you just said, Carl. Sometimes you just don't want to go by yourself, and and maybe this just gives you a few more people who would be uh, available to join in once in a while. And, and um, you know, some of those some of those guys who may not be flying actively anymore have as you know good a hangar stories as anybody. Sometimes, so uh, when we get together, we have a, a once a month, um, you know, just hangar flying, you know, get together out at the airport for the club, and uh, it's just nice to have a few more people that can can drop in and and share that experience. That that's awesome. I mean, I, I, you know, Sean, Rick, have you heard of that before? Maybe this is the first time I've ever heard of it. No, I never have. Not locally, no. I mean, I, I'm not a member of the of the local flying club, but I've I've looked into it. I just haven't got around to uh, actually walking in the door yet. But if they have anything like that, uh, that that'd be great. Oh yeah, sure. And just to get your your wings back, you know, wet again, you know, that kind of thing. And just go oh, out sure. and I mean, fly. Yeah, even just like you guys were saying, just hangar flying or you know, kind of watching people come and go. Even if you're not actually up in the air, uh, just to be back in the environment, I think is huge. Oh gosh, yeah. Yeah, because now, Sean, have you been flying a lot lately? I forgot to ask you that. No, it's done. I got chucked out. Uh, um, I was uh, probably about a month and a half ago now, and I haven't been back up yet. So <laughs> I got to make that happen. And that's how it goes. I was like, okay, you know, every every couple of years, it's it's like, okay, I got to got to get back into it. Go get back into it. Get checked out, and, and that's it again. So I got to find some reason to keep it going. Well, yeah, go for another rating instead or of did just doing checkouts every couple. Of years. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I have to make that happen. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. But uh, so, yeah, I mean, it, this, you know, Larry's Larry's idea of this, this social club membership, right? hopefully you'll go to your local club and say, hey, by the way, is there, do you have a social membership? And they're like, no, what's that? Well, I know right. a guy to talk to, Larry Overstreet. Point him right. our way. Yep. That's cool. That is awesome. Um, look, before we get too far away from it, so just to say it, and we'll put the links in, his name is Paul Santo Pietro. Santo the guy, tailwheel guy uh, okay. in the vineyard. Uh, and he, it's a Satabria. That's the main Oh, thing cool. he teaches in but he he owns the bird dog and like he likes flying that one that's his little get around town thing. yeah that that, that and sounds those great videos you did were just just awesome they were absolutely yeah. awesome it's pretty fun um, but you know not only you know you talked about flying clubs there's also some other types of flying clubs that they have that are you don't actually go up and fly anything it's it's uh larry i think you're involved in this aren't you in the imc clubs do they actually fly or what what is that yeah, so the IMC Clubs is an organization um, that is uh, – it, its its mission is to help create safer IFR pilots um, by providing an environment where we can come together and share, uh, you know, some hangar flying a little bit, but also around sort of a scenario. So the way that um, – uh, our IMC club in Madison works is that uh, everybody gets together and it's out on social flight and it's it our, ours is set up to qualify for FAA wings credit. Not all of them are, but you know we we tried to make that happen. And uh, our double I and, and I'm not an instructor of any kind, but um, every IMC club uh, chapter has to have a double I who's kind of um, you know leading it and. Um, uh, he he did the extra effort that it took to get us uh, set up with the FAA to be able to provide wings credit. Um, 
But we get together. Uh, he uses the computer to play a scenario talking about, um, yeah, you're flying from here to here. You're on a business trip. You're in a hurry to get home. You know, you're halfway through. You get this indication on your oil pressure light or, you know, what, whatever it is, the scenario comes up and maybe the weather's closed in behind you. And it's sort of a what would you do in this, in this case. And there's never... Um, you know, a right or wrong, I guess there's probably some wrong answers, but you know, it's, it's not like there's one right answer, you know, and it may depend on the person's experience. Um, uh, you know, the, the equipment they have on the airplane, you know, whatever. And you kind of put yourself into this. So once you get the scenario out there, it's like, well, yeah, what if I was flying the diamond with the G 1000 or what if I was flying the archer or what if I was flying a twin or, you know, whatever. And, and people bring their own, uh, experiences and their own, situations into this scenario. Uh, and there's always really great conversation around, um, you know, what m- might be different, you know, with just a little tweak of the circumstances. Um, I always learn a ton from, you know, the other pilots who show up. We, we tend to have probably, you know, between 25 and 35 people show up um, and uh, uh, really get a lot out of that. So uh, IMC clubs uh, as an organization, um, doesn't fly themselves. You know, there's there's not a flying component to IMC clubs per se, uh, but they do encourage you to go out and you know get your six approaches and your one hold and, and all that kind of stuff. And and it gives you a community of other IFR pilots who can be um, either uh, they may be pilots, they may just be interested in the topic, they may be learning, they may be working on an IFR ticket, um, but other people who can come be a safety pilot for you or something like that, um, where you, you've kind of had a chance to interact with them and you know them uh, at least a little bit. Uh, so that's good. Last year at Oshkosh, just uh, putting in a little plug for IMC clubs, they did a really nice job where they partnered with Redbird and, um, uh, what was it, Pilot Edge maybe? Uh, the, the simulator, um, uh, air traffic control simulator organization oh. and brought all that together with three scenarios, uh, three approaches. And so uh, you could go in at no charge to the IMC bo- uh, tent uh, at Oshkosh and do three approaches and a hold with, uh, you know, under the supervision of a double I with live air traffic control um simulated, you know, you're talking to real controllers who are sitting at a table in the other part of the tent, you know, from you, and they're giving you actual clearances and so forth. Um, and you could log three approaches in your logbook. So, and that was at no charge. Anybody could walk in and do that. Um, this year they're planning, uh, some, some really exciting things as well that I don't know that they've announced, but, uh, keep your eyes open. If you're interested in, you know, in, in, instrument flight, uh, and you're going to be at Oshkosh this year, definitely early in the week, check out their, their display, their tent, um, because I think they're going to be doing some things that would be uh, really exciting for most of us. And they, they have a great uh, podcast, too, IMC Radio. They do, Derek Lagasse. Derek Lagasse, yes. part of that. And, uh, I'm not sure was, who else they have there. He was on, uh, and I think, uh, well, there's uh, quite a few people, but Derek really keeps it going there. Derek, as you know, uh, helped out uh, with uh, Sun and Fun this year on the deck, did a great job, plus he had his own show going on in the back deck. He was really hitting it out of the park. It was amazing. Uh, but uh, IMC clubs are awesome. I've actually looked at getting involved, but I'm so busy with the... FA safety program. Maybe we could co-opt here. Derek Lagasse, if you're listening, we'll do that. Big shout out to them. It's imcclubs.org. We'll have a link to that. Uh, they do a great job. If uh, if you're 
IFR instrument rating are thinking about it. It's a great thing to get involved with. They do. It's a little more technical. So if you're just starting out, you might get lost a little bit. But they. Uh, but it's great if you want to keep uh, keep current and keep your mind in the game. And that's what uh, that's what flying IMC is all about. It's a lot about procedures and and scenarios, etc. So that's a really really cool club. Well, guys, you know, Larry, you're involved in a whole bunch of stuff. It, it, when do you get time to work? <laughs> I, I do have to go do that, uh, you know, kind of normal eight to five uh, sort of hours. Um, but uh, I try to try to reserve a little bit of time on, you know, weekends and evenings to go flying. Something else that I'll just toss out there that's really been fun to do. Um, a couple, one, one of the guys from work and uh, another common friend of ours uh, who lives in the area here, uh, just in order to encourage each other to stay IFR current, one of the things that we decided to do was uh, get together about every two months or so and go to the local airport over at Madison and uh, get on their simulator with a with a double eye and uh, each of us shoot you know three approaches in a hold or whatever. So we're always um, you know regardless of whatever actual IFR time we get in the airplanes uh, that we each fly individually. Um, you know, we're we're always able to stay current on IFR via the simulator, um, and, and there are things you can do in a simulator that you really wouldn't want to do in in a real airplane, or that you can't do because you know a certain approach isn't available in your area. Maybe you know a DME arc or something like that that you'd have to fly a ways to get to. Um, and so, I would encourage people who have access to a simulator. Um, you know, to go out and find a couple other people to go fly with because you learn a ton just by watching somebody else fly. And it's a lot less expensive than, you know, going up and burning avgas while you're, you know, motoring from one approach to the next. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, you look at uh, look at the airlines. I mean, in their training, they make people sit in the jump seat to do observations. And, uh, and you learn so much by watching what other people are doing. Um, but, you know, Larry, gosh, we're <laughs> like I said, I, I knew this was going to happen. We're not going to be able to get to any listener mail. We've got an hour already. Uh, but, uh, you know, one, I do have one question for you before we wrap up. And I know there's a couple things I, I know you want to tell the audience as far as where they can find you, et cetera. Um, but as far as aviation is concerned, this is gonna be, might be a tough question, but think about what's your favorite thing to do right now in aviation. You're involved in a lot of stuff. You, you fly IFR. You're in a flying club. Uh, is, there, is there one thing out of all this different flying that stands out as, as like your favorite thing to do? Oh boy! So I have six kids, and this is like asking me for my favorite kid. No, um, <laughs> you know they're they're all my favorite for different reasons, right? <laughs> right. Um, I, I I love traveling IFR. I love being in the system. Um, I, I like the uh, logic behind the IFR system and how it just works. You know, um, I love giving people their first ride in a Piper Cub, where you have the door open and you're flying along at you know 500 feet and smelling the the fragrant you know, uh, flowers and bushes and trees and stuff uh, at this time of year. Um, I love going up in a glider with somebody for the first time uh, and and letting them experience what it's like to, you know, hit a hit a, um, a thermal or hit some lift and, and realize, wow, I'm going up without an engine and I'm staying up here flying along without an engine. So I guess if I was going to pick one thing, it would have to be um, the social part of flying, you know, which whatever we're doing in, in the air or whatever we're doing on the ground or on airplanes, uh, being around other people who are like-minded and other people who, you know, just get a thrill out of this really cool thing that we all get to do called flying. That's well said, Larry. I tell you, I, that's one of the reasons that we love hanging out with you at uh, Sun and Fun. And also, we're going to try to hang out with you at, at Oshkosh. And you'll be there this year. Um, where do they find you at Oshkosh, by the way? Well, at Oshkosh, uh, it's pretty easy to find. Uh, for those uh, who are 
familiar with the grounds and Camp Scholar, it's it's the big campground that's uh, for RVs. It's not airplane camping. It's it's RV and tent camping. Um, yeah, it could be motorhomes, tents, trailers. You know, you name it. Whatever you have, school buses. You see all kinds of things there. Um, but uh, uh, if there's a big red barn that everybody kind of knows of uh, where it is, uh, and it's it's sort of the camp, one of the camp stores, um, right right by one of the entrances to um, the fly market. And uh, if you if you start there and go one block south, you'll run into our campsite. Well, we'll have to try to find you there. You've been going there for a while, haven't you? Started in 1979. Yeah, my dad and I went up there, um, and uh, I've been there most years since. Not not absolutely every year, but I've been there for probably the last ten or so. Uh, you know, and then most of the years since '79. Awesome, awesome. I tell you, I I really I can't wait to get over there. I've flown over uh, Oshkosh twice during the air show. Uh, never landed, uh, but one of these days I actually want to get down on the ground and, and take a look around. That'd be so much fun. Oh boy, Larry, this is this has been awesome just getting to know you, and and we'd love to have you come back for a regular episode. And uh, you know, Larry has has volunteered to be a you know a guest co-host sometimes. He's he does a wonderful job. He also is a you know a very passionate aviator. Uh, what do you think, Sean and Rick? Should we should we invite him back? What do you think? Yeah, uh, yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> <laughs> but just just a great guy, all around, uh, terrific person, great family. I, um, I just been a wonderful getting to know you at all the different air shows and uh, someone who knows a lot about aviation and uh, hopefully he's going to become a flight instructor one of these days and because uh, you do teach aviation quite a bit without being an instructor well sure. that that would be fun i'd i'd uh i don't know if people would uh put up with me too much but but thanks <laughs> Well, Thanks hey, for the vote of confidence. No, but believe me, I mean, it's, it's great how you've explained so many complex uh, topics. I've, I've listened to you before. It's pretty cool. I, um, but, you know, if, they, if people want to get in touch with you, there is a way. You don't, you're not have an aviation website or anything like that. Like that. You're just a real passionate aviator. But I do, I do know you're involved with social media, and they can find you at and Twitter somewhere. Yes, you can. I am at Larry Overstreet, and that's probably the best place to find me. Larry Overstreet. Okay, we'll put a link out there. Uh, some really cool uh, photos that you have out there. Always talking about aviation. Uh, some other technical stuff, too, I know she put out there. Uh, a lot of techie guys, a lot of people that are into computers uh, that are into aviation. So if you want to check out some of his his stuff there, it's it's uh, at Larry Overstreet. Our picks of the week. Larry, appreciate this. We, we also, uh, this is the segment of the show where we do what's called the pick of the week. And... Uh, I, uh, Larry, did you, did you actually bring a pick of the week this week? I don't know if I, I asked you to do that or not. I, I oh, did. Good. Yeah. Good. What's your um, pick of the week? In, in, in fact, I have, I have two that are kind oh, of related. Cool. Um, the one is uh, a really great audiobook. It's a great book, uh, but I enjoyed it especially as the audiobook uh, called Flight of Passage. Uh -huh. And it's been around for a long time, but uh, relating to the Piper Cubs and, and how much fun they are to fly, it is a memoir by Rinker Buck. Uh, and it's, recounting a flight that he and his brother took um, from New Jersey all the way to Southern California. And he was 15 years old at the time, and his brother was 17. Um, great, great story, um, and uh, it's all centered around their relationship, their relationship with their dad, and their relationship with this Piper Cub that they rebuilt. Um, and then the other one, of course, has to be Cub Air Flight, where, you know, I got my tailwheel endorsement and learned how to fly Cubs, and, you know, I fell in love with little airplanes so um 
at, at Hartford. We mentioned it before. Cubair.net um, is their website, but uh, very, very neat place. Cool, cool. Cubair.net, uh, we'll put that out there. And also, uh, Rinker Buck, uh, terrific guy. I'm not sure if you plugged that because of my association there, but um, as most folks know, that Rinker actually was a, a friend of the family. Actually, my dad was his, his uh, doctor. And uh, I didn't know. Oh, that. okay. I thought I did. I did not know. That oh, either. yeah. He uh, he actually flew out of the airport. That I always talk about this little airport that I used to stretch my wings out or my arms out and pretend I was flying before mm-hmm. they tore it down. Well, that's the place. It was actually mm. Somerset uh, Somerset Hills Airport in Basking Ridge, New Jersey, and that's where he mm. started his flight across the country. And I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of a. I just. Picked it because I like the book. Yeah, no, it was funny because my dad said, he's like, what's this guy Rinker Buck doing writing a book about flying? I was like, well, dad, I guess he's a pilot. (laughs) It was pretty, pretty, he had long since left for uh, California or something like that. Uh, But it's that Mm -hmm. little airport that they still, they actually put a plaque there at the airport, uh, Somerset Hills Airport. As a matter of fact, interesting side note, that right next to that is a place called the Great Swamp in New Jersey. And the reason that swamp was actually a national wildlife refuge and made one is because that's where they were going to put the next Newark airport was right there. They were going to try to build this big airport and just stop that. They made a national wildlife refuge. A little side note there. Anyway, I digress. But, yeah, that was an awesome book. Uh, very, I would love to do something like that, a little adventure. Uh, it brings out the kid in you. As a matter of fact, uh, just taxing onto that one, uh, I'll give you my pick of the week because it has something to do do with that. It's called The Day I Learned to Fly by Jeffrey Kennan. And uh, he actually is uh, one of the, the sponsors of the podcast uh, this week. He's a, the author sponsor. And if you get a chance, go out to stuckmikeavcast.com and click on his book in the top right corner. Really neat stuff. It's a, it's a kid's story, but it's also it's a children's illustrated book. And it's a terrific story about this person that wants to be, come to fly, etc. And when you were talking about Rinker Buck and him flying as a child and dreaming about flying, and then my, you know, going to that airport and putting my arms out pretending I was flying, it reminded me of this. And it's called The Day I Learned to Fly by Jeffrey Kennan. It's a wonderful illustrated book for kids. Big kids also can read it like I did. And uh, you can find the link. Uh, it's in the Amazon store, but you can find it at Stuck Mike Avcast. Uh, so just a terrific, terrific story. And the one that you're talking about the was an audio book, so we'll put a link to that. I think it's uh, in Audible, or I think Amazon has it, but we'll, we'll definitely have a link to that. Um, but uh, next pick of the week actually is pretty interesting because it's, it's a shared pick of the week with both Sean and Rick, <laughs> and uh, they're going to discuss a little bit about uh, the new Apple Watch. Uh, so guys, take it away. Yeah. Well, we didn't really plan anything. Uh, I guess I wanted it on the list just because it's um, it's new, and 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 I happen to know that Sean and I are, are uh, kind of learning it and figuring out what we think of it and how um, how it fits in with our lives and and our other technology. And you own um, one, right? And we haven't actually. You what? actually own one. Yeah, we and we each we each okay. do, and I happen to know that. So we were coming up in the show. I thought, well, we might as well at least touch on it. Um, and we haven't talked really. Uh, since the early days of, you know, did you get yours and how's it going and where do you, you know, what are you learning? Um, and I mean, I don't know, I, I could just start by saying, I think it's, I, I'm, you know, I have to preface all this by saying, you know, I'm, I'm definitely an Apple fan. I have, a, I'm, I'm sort of into that stuff. I'm, I'm also very much of a gadget kind of fan and, um, like exploring what, um, gadgets can do and what new directions technology will take us. And, um, 
And, 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 and so on top of all that, I needed a watch and I've been, and I'd heard one was coming and I've been waiting, uh, limping along with some watches for a while. So I was excited to actually, um, uh, get one for that reason, uh, as well as the, uh, the, uh, exploration and geekiness of it. And, and it is, you know, it, 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 there is, in fact, there's an article that I just stumbled upon, um, uh, that's actually, you know, an online, I th- uh, thing, it looks like it's out of Sporties, which I know Sean has some connections to, but it's basically about, you know, it's, a, it's an article about iPads, but they have a whole summary of, of apps, you know, phone apps that, uh, that uh, have extensions that work on the watch. And, um, so I, I thought, well, I'd, one, I'd say that I'm having fun with it and, and anybody wants to talk more about it, we can talk at length about it or talk offline, um, but I, I do think, though, these are early days. There's definitely going to be interesting stuff that can happen um, with a, a watch that has soft, that is software enabled and also links to a device that is GPS enabled. And, um, and there's already a bunch of uh, apps out there that can, can do some things in service of aviation um, that are pretty cool. So I don't know if, Sean, if you have any thoughts uh, about your experience with it. Um, yeah, and uh, and I haven't had any any directly aviation related ones yet. I do have four yeah. flights, uh, I, you know, Apple Watch app on there. Right. Um, I haven't flown with it yet, so I can't say much about it. But it looks like it would be pretty handy to have in the cockpit, and and the you know you can customize the watch faces for different things, and it is handy. Like one of the watch faces uh, has just a, a timer that's always in the corner. You can just tap it twist the digital crown, set a time, and go. So especially for IFR flying, if you're needing to set a timer, that's that's really handy. Um, yeah. But like you said, Rick, it's it's definitely the early days. As it is right now, I'm, I'm kind of like you. New gadgets just make me happy. So I, yeah. I knew I would be happy with it. I wouldn't – my own opinion of it right now is yeah. I wouldn't tell anybody that it's a must-have. I agree. Stretch. I, um, I agree. And I yes, totally, that's right. And um, it's not something that – Though this may seem counterintuitive, it is not something that occupies your time constantly. No. It's not mm. another screen that entertains you 24 hours a day. In fact, its limitations are kind of what it's about. It's it's efficient. It's small. It, it's at its best. It's uh, quick glances and updates and you move on. Um, and it doesn't try to be anything else. And so as a result, you know, uh, you, it, I find that it's there and I use it when I need it, but it's not obtrusive in any way. And in fact, I probably look at my phone a good amount less because of it. Uh, right. You're more reactive to it. You, you don't tend yeah. to initiate things from the phone right. uh, or excuse me from the watch. Um, you know, it's, it's more, Hey, my watch tapped me. Oh, okay. That's cool. I'll, I'll either dismiss that or reply to it. And you're not really surfing around on your watch doing things. You're you're reacting to the watch, which is right. a different different kind of interaction. I, I like it. Yeah. So on the, on the, uh, just looking at the features, and again, I've not flown with this at all. But four flights projection of of data onto the watch are things like nearest airport uh, and the meet the meetars there, mm-hmm. um, updated uh, as you know as they can be. Um, there's there's also calculators for distance. I think whatever you set up on your if you're running four flight on your phone and it's tracking a trip you're making, the uh, estimated time of arrival, um, the distance and things like that can, are, can be glanced at on your watch. So if mm-hmm. you've got that running over to the side, your watch is there as a quick little, uh, you know, not just timer but actual tracker of where you're at in, in your in your flight. So um, and then there's a few other apps here that are in this list that that seem to look like they tr- are trying harder. And maybe I don't know if they're successful. Things like taxi taxi diagrams, which believe me, the watch is very small. So it's 
you can yeah. over you can overreach with things, and um, so it'll just be interesting to see as this gets more powerful, as uh, as technology allows other things to be added to it. Um, I think it's worth watching. And again, if you're not mm -hmm. into if you're if you're not uh, into gadgets and wanting to wanting to try stuff out, if you don't need a watch, <laughs> yeah, there's really, there's probably no argument for wanting to get one at this point. Um, and if you want to talk to us about it, feel free to ping us on any of the normal channels, and we can we can be honest about what we think mm -hmm. it is and what it isn't. You know, because sure. you know, like and I, it will get cooler um, right? as well. Oh yeah, it'll it, get cooler it, exactly. Yeah, it, like iPhone one. You know, the, it it didn't have an app store on it for at least right. a year. Right, uh, so you, it wasn't even open to third party apps. Forever. Yeah, I thought of that. If you think of iPhone one, you don't imagine having that same device in a plane running for flight mm -hmm. because it couldn't and it didn't. But uh, this is a software device that's on your wrist, and there will be things that are enabled that will that I think have some potential. I don't know that we know what they are yet, but um, yeah, it's definitely not. Um, yeah, it's 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 early days, as we said, and. Uh, um, not a not a not a must have, but very interesting. Mm -hmm. That's for sure. Yet, yet, yet. <laughs> yeah, it just right. seems everybody's jumping into it. I mean, look at an Av Plenty of Everybody's jumping into that. Well, mm -hmm. you know, it's 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 not hard. It's from a software point of view, it's not hard to do in the sense that if you have an app that runs on an on an iPhone, an extension will you can you can write a watch kit app that extends that app into that space. A lot of them aren't very good. And in fact, yeah. I mean, there's a lot that are, there's a, there's enough that are that it, it's, I find I have more than I want sometimes and I'm weeding them out, but almost every app has an extension and, and I don't have most of those turned on. I, I think Sean, you would agree. Yeah. And in, in fact, the past couple of days I'd noticed, um, after oh, I'd say wearing it for 12 or 13 hours, I was down in, in, in the teens and single digits battery percentage wise, which is unusual because I've yeah. been very impressed by the battery. Yeah. I think they I think they really undersold the battery performance. Mm -hmm. um, it, I, I haven't ended a day aside from the past two with less than thirty percent remaining. And do you think those last two are because of apps you've chosen to put on? I them? think so because I. I I've slowly been accumulating them. Like, oh, that's yeah. cool. I'll try that. Especially the yeah. free ones. Like, oh, sure, why not? Sure. So my, yeah, exactly. you know, the home screens just kept growing and growing. And I, I thought, ah, okay, I probably need to dial back a little bit because uh, I don't really use most of them. Yeah. So, and but I've noticed today the battery life's been much better. Yeah, it's worth it to try. But, but to answer your question, yeah. Carl, yeah, everyone and his brother feels they need to say they have an app, and many of them don't really have a reason to have one. But I could see how right. it could be good, though. That's I mean, and think about the when you talk about being intrusive, it's a, it, it can be intrusive in a great way. Uh, for instance, say it'll remind you to close your flight plan. There's one. Yeah. Like, oh, and, for sure. Uh, and yep. I know Good all call. the airlines are on this. Oh my gosh. Hey, your flight's late. Mm -hmm. You know, it's been delayed. It's been delayed, and they could just push all these updates uh, out to the Apple Watch. They, they do that already with other apps, but, uh, yeah. but especially the Apple Watch yeah. is very easy. Well, and every notification that comes through on your iPhone, you can have the option of pushing all those notifications to your watch as well. So even if they don't have a watch app, you'll still get the notification if they send it to the phone app. Yeah. And and what's really smart about it is it knows what you're looking at. So if you yeah. have your phone on, your wrist doesn't buzz. But if your phone's That's off, really put away, yeah. your phone does. I mean, it, it's 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 not a big deal. But I, what I just described is when you first happened, you go, "Whoa, yeah, I just yeah. put my phone away." And it no, there's something about it that's pretty that has there's a magical. No, yeah, knowing the thought that they put into that, yeah, it, it's yeah, it's yeah. So it's trying. Whereas whereas all of our computers are ringing off the hook now that they've. 
let us take phone calls on them. And yeah. so th th that's similarly not done very well. But in terms of the watch and the, and the phone, they are connected and they are, yeah, you know, they're, they're interwoven. So yeah, it's, um, there's a lot of weather is there's weather apps galore and some are really good and some are too dense. Um, you know, and these guys didn't have to, to their credit, the, the code guys did not have a work, you know, they had simulators, but they didn't have the real thing. Many of them. So I know that there's a um, guy named Marco Armit who, um, is a very well-known code guy and, and has a podcast player I, I actually mentioned as a pick of the week, I think a week ago, two, you know, two shows ago, called Overcast. Um, he, had, he had an app uh, extension ready to go for the watch on day one. And he's just, he's really good. He's one of those good guys who pays attention. And he immediately sent out some notes on his blog saying, you know, you can use it, play around with it, but I now see why I was wrong in some assumptions I'm going to rework it. And within a couple of weeks, he had it back out, streamlined in a way that really made much more sense. And then he wrote a blog post explaining why he'd done what he'd done. So um, a lot of people trying to figure this out, figure out how, the best way to do it. And a lot of it is really about keep it simple and do just just the, enough. And some, some of you shouldn't bother doing anything <laughs> in terms of apps. So anyway. Yeah, I think that's what a lot of them are doing. And they're keeping it simple to the weather and the, a little weather alerts, et cetera. And, and that's it yeah. for a uh, foreflight, et cetera. Because you're going to use that. That the, the iPad yeah. instead, um, but as far as a yeah. cool factor, though, I think it's cool. it's awesome. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. And if you if you're in the market for a watch and you're and you're at all geeky, I would recommend yeah. it. Yeah, well, that's uh, I've been looking. I just actually looked at the Apple Watch and was trying to think about what I could do with this in aviation. Um, but yeah. uh, other than trying to wait for a flight, but I think this is that's great. You know, look up the weather. Uh, I wonder how how a map would show up on it. I wonder if uh, it's small. Yeah. It's very small. I think start, you know, timers, multiple timers um, on running in multiple apps. You, know, you might have a need yeah. for timers. I mean, you can think about stuff. Um, cool I don't know. Stuff, it's it's uh, yeah, it's cool stuff. So we'll keep you posted, Definitely. and you should keep us posted. Let us know how you're using it. If you are, we'd love to hear from aviators who have found uh, an application that they're excited. There about. There you go. The top if, 100 iPhone yeah. apps or uh, Apple Watch apps. <laughs> Right there, you go. I wonder if it so. Yeah, so that's that's. We just thought it's it's pretty it's a pretty new item, and he and Sean and I are each ex, uh, kind of experimenting with it, and thought we'd throw it out there as a as something to at least talk about. That's so. awesome. Well, well, thanks, guys. Yeah. That, that was really cool. I mean, I I want to hear more updates in the future. I'm sure that uh, Rick's going to start coming out with quite a few apps that are that are actually good apps for the the iPad and iPhone, but also for the Apple Watch. So look, definitely yeah, look forward for sure. to some of those. Well, gosh, guys, thanks. I mean, I appreciate it. I, I definitely want to buy one myself and uh, just for that cool factor. But I really – I'm not going to get an I, you know an Apple Watch until it has something aviation-related. Like, you know, they have Mickey Mouse tapping his foot. I want yeah. to have like an yeah. airplane or something or yeah. I don't know. It has to look like, like an well, E6B Well, it's going to be in – in well, there's two things about the watch faces that are interesting. They will, I think, want to do more and more – Applications, and I bet you there'll be an aviation-specific so. watch at some point because there are in the world those anyway in real watches. The, the interesting thing about watch faces, though, is that it's a lot of this is about battery consumption, and as Sean said, they've been very stingy about battery usage so that people can not worry about it, and they've succeeded. It's it doesn't really run out in a day, um, but if you put a, the wrong kind of watch face on, um, it can drain it fast because it. It uses power when the screen is lit, gotcha. when parts of the screen are lit. So the more black on the screen, the more stingy it is on that. So so that's the kind of game they're playing. And so I, they're going to want to curate the watch faces, but I bet you they'll start to open that up. That's my prediction. Awesome. Yeah. Well, from flying to Apple 
watch. I mean, this is this is uh, this is pretty cool. I mean, we're all all aviation ge- geeks and also tech geeks here, and uh, I think I think in the future we're going to see better, more stylish designs, but but a lot more apps that we don't know about right now, and, and we're going to say, oh yeah, that's a great thing to do with the Apple Watch in aviation, and, and we'll definitely have those updates for you. The after landing checklist. You guys appreciate that, and uh, with that, gosh, uh, that that's uh, all we have for the show. I know we went a little bit long, but this has been really cool having on board uh, Larry Overstreet as a guest host who who will hopefully come back and help us out in, a, in some more episodes in the future. Larry, uh, I'd love to. <laughs> it's been, you know, after, after the Wisconsin Kentucky game, though, I didn't know if Sean was going <laughs> to talk to me. <laughs> We had to go there. Oh, no. <laughs> oh man. There, there's a, that's okay. We, we that's took all right. Weekend. Yeah. yeah, so we we were definitely united in the common enemy after that one. But uh. Yeah, they take their sports seriously out there, and that's for sure. Yeah. That's for sure. But, uh, yeah, Kentucky's a, a really cool state to fly around, by the way, and so is Wisconsin. But there's uh, some beautiful rolling hills. I love flying around Kentucky. Just, just gorgeous. Mm, horse farms oh, galore, man. yeah. Just just absolutely gorgeous. And uh, we'll have to get a pick of the week that has something to do with Kentucky aviation. Maybe there's a film out there about it or something. So love to see that in the future. We'll have, we'll have Sean Moody work on that one. Um, but uh, but anyway, folks, that's that's uh, it's been great having uh, Larry Overstreet on. I, if you have any questions for Larry about all those things he talked about, please you know come back and talk to us at... Uh, at Stuck Mike Avcast, we love to hear from you. We are backing up on on the the voicemails and also on the emails, and we're probably going to do an episode again just of, of answering your your emails, etc. But uh, you know, we'd love to do a weekly show, but you know, some of us have regular jobs, and we have to we have to attend <laughs> to those and also families. But this has been so much fun bringing this to you. We're uh, we're getting to the point where we've got quite a few downloads and people have been asking us to do more technical, et cetera, and I'm hoping uh, that this will help you out as far as uh, technical details on flying, VFR, landing, et cetera, learning how to fly a glider like we talked about. And I'm hoping that Larry has actually, you know, he's encouraged you to think about getting out there and doing something, doing something different in aviation. You know, IMC Club, he talked about social memberships in a flying club. Why not go out and ask about that? Go to your local club and say, hey, do you guys have a social membership? You know, I haven't flown in a while. I just want to hang out and talk aviation with you guys, and maybe someday I'll be back flying again. Just ask him that. Uh, well, folks, this has been awesome talking to you all. It's been awesome. Larry, again, thank you for coming here. We, we look forward to you coming back in the future. Thanks for and, having uh, me. And we'll hope to see you at Oshkosh, too. And I tell you, Larry, this uh, all that you've done in aviation has been awesome and I really there's there's not too many people I know that are as passionate about aviation as you are. He talks about it all the time, lives it, breathes it, eats it. It's it's and it's what I love about Larry. He doesn't actually do it for a living. He has no no tie to aviation at all monetarily, but but he's involved like more than anybody I know. It's it's pretty awesome. Well, folks, from myself, Carl Valeri, and uh, Larry Overstreet, Sean Moody, and also Rick Felty. We appreciate you listening. We uh, also, uh, Victoria Zyko and uh, Eric Crump, wish they could have been here this evening, but work called, and that's that's what happens. That's why we're we're actually having a few more guest hosts on to, to fill in those blanks. Well, guys, do something today to, to actually fill that passion in aviation, whether it's looking at an app for your Apple Watch or, or going out to the airport and learning about a flying club or getting a new rating. Get a new endorsement, like a Tailwheel endorsement. Do something. Do something fun. Enjoy it. And, and remember, enjoy the ride. We'll talk to you guys next episode, and safe fun. You've been listening to the Stuck Mike Abcast. 
Members of the Stuck Mike Avcast may receive compensation for products or services mentioned during the podcast. Compensation may be received in the form of, but not limited to, referral commissions, free products or service trials. Our opinions and views are never influenced by any compensation, and you should always perform your own due diligence before purchasing any products or services mentioned during the show. The Stuck Mike Avcast is an aviation podcast and a Valeri Aviation Corporation production.